Running back is not one of the Chargers' biggest needs heading into the draft, but if B. John Robinson is still available at pick 21, they have to consider taking the risk. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons, but this is our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making this your first listen today, and to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel, and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcasts from. And today we're talking about Bijan Robinson, one of the most polarizing prospects, especially on Chargers social media, and if it could make sense even though it goes against our philosophical differences for the Chargers to try to take a running back with the 21st overall pick. Is he that special that you have to consider it? And could the Chargers just go all out offensively and just try to load up at the beginning of the draft with as many offensive playmakers as possible and how much the new coordinators that are in roles now will have to do with that player personnel and what the Chargers decide to do there. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. David, let's start our, our Chargers mailbag here with a big question that many people have been asking us, and this is from Harry this time. First off, we all appreciate what you two put into all of this. If B. John Robinson is there at 21, would you guys say that he's a must-have, or would you think it would be a waste of a first-round pick as we have bigger needs to fill on the offense, David? That's a lot of kind of gray area in between those things, but I think we would both agree that it would not be a waste of a pick. Yeah, I, I think when, you know, you we asked somebody asked us the same question, you know, a month or two ago. I hadn't watched a whole lot about Bijan Robinson and it was really just my core philosophy, you know, in my mind saying the Chargers or any football team should never expend a first round pick on a running back and that was really kind of winning my opinion at the moment. Now, after watching Bijan Robinson, um it it's it's hard to deny his unbelievable talent. It is. And if you're going to use a first round pick, it depends on where it is. And there's a good chance B. John Robinson doesn't, you know, fall to the Chargers at 21. And for everyone who doesn't know, B. John Robinson's a running back for Texas who's in the draft this year and is probably the only running back being considered in the first round from anywhere from, you know, pick 10 to, you know, the second round in some places. But he's a polarizing prospect and he's obviously not what the Chargers' biggest need is right now. You have Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly. And Isaiah Spiller, but you haven't still gotten enough out of that unit. So it makes sense as far as the Chargers wanting to upgrade there. Having a succession plan for someone like Austin Eckler, who's going into a contract year this year and has already gotten a second contract for the Chargers. And pairing him with Justin Herbert, obviously, is something that you, when you watch him, it's tantalizing. Because when you look at the skill set, David, I mean, if you're looking for special, I think there's a couple different boxes where he checks those off, right? Whether it's the stop and start ability, whether it's just being able to route run and running vertical routes down the field. I mean, there's a couple of places where he is far above average for for running backs. And I'm kind of surprised he's not being mentioned more with the names of guys we've seen drafted in the first round, like Saquon Barkley and other guys like that. Yeah, because he is that special. I mean, you, you, you put it on, you put the tape on and you start watching him and, and you see his incredible ability 
to create. I mean, his stop and start ability, like you mentioned, it's next level. It's almost like he is running or he is playing at a different speed than everyone else on the field. And it almost feels like he just bounces. Like when, when he's out there running, like he just bounces and flows. Like it's unbelievable to see him move. And he just cuts through his contact balance is fantastic. Like he's not the biggest guy in the world, but that doesn't stop him. Like his ability to put things together. He's such a hard runner. I also like to look at pass protection for running backs as well. And he's fantastic at that. He's absolutely stones pass rushers uh, and he's very smart. He keeps his head on the swivel. Those are a couple things just right off the bat that I really enjoyed about Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and there's a good chance the Chargers don't, you know, take a running back in the first round. We'll talk about some other running backs because it's still a position they could address him. You know, we'll get kind of some comparisons for him. But, I mean, starting with this one, and the reason we don't do more of these just in shows like this because, hey, we want to watch four, five, six, seven games of these yeah. guys, you know, when we talk about them. And this is the first time we got to dive deep. But, I mean, yes, the string together of cuts effortlessly. Like, the yeah. way this man just kind of flows and is able to just – chain cuts together right i mean it's insane like the dude stops starts just lets people run past him i mean the patience is there the vision is there the footwork is insane like what he's able to do in the hole even when there's Very not a nimble. ton of space i mean the dude could make you miss in a phone booth like yeah. the other thing is is he never loses a one-on-one in space like that's yeah. what you want from your running backs is once they get to the second level are they making that man miss to turn a good play into a great play right you're not going to find many one-on-one situations where this dude is not coming out on top. I mean, there's obviously plays where he, this, he's breaking seven, eight tackles. I mean, go watch the game against he's a Kansas nightmare in 2022. In a I mean, it's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, and, and like he doesn't need much space to make you miss. I mean, it's really, really hard with that with one guy to get a solid hit on him. I'm not sure how many of them I saw where one yeah. guy was able to really just square him up in space. It, it's impossible. I, I mean, yeah, he, you gotta he never tackle. loses those. His footwork is incredible. And the route running, again, like you're looking for an A or two Austin Eckler's thrown. I mean, this dude, if you look at the post route that he ended up running against Iowa State, getting them inside like the five-yard line, how effortlessly out of the slot he was able to do that. You go to the game against Alabama, runs a route up the sideline, totally vertical again, is able to adjust on the fly, turn around and catch it and keep on going. He could legitimately play receiver. Like if his only job was to go out there and run routes, if you need to split him out wide, and you need him to run actual legit routes, he can do that. Like, he is smooth. He has strong hands. Like I mean, it's there. Like, his receiving chops, like, he's, like, a very complete running back. I mean, the things that you you need him to do, he can do it. You want him to get short yardage, he's an an animal getting short yardage. Also, in the red zone, he has a nose for the end zone. He gets there. I love the way that he can just stop and then just win to the outside just turn on the jets and get out there and win the edge. He's he did that so many different times. He's man. He's really special. Really, really fun to watch. The contact balance is fantastic too. Like he just doesn't go down. He's always falling forward as well. It just seems like if he's not getting the 25 plus yard runs, he routinely gets six, seven, eight yards every And he knows time. when to take the smart yards, too. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it, right? It, it, he's not just creating these big plays and, and taking a bunch of negative plays. Like, right. sometimes, like, these plays were doomed from the beginning. It'll sure. take a loss for sure. Right. But it feels like he always gets the most out of every play. He's not missing giant holes when he needs to just get one or two. He's not a power back, right? You're not no. going to confuse him for that. He's not a bruiser. One of the, you know, if you wanted to knock him kind of a thing. But, like, he always finds a crease. 
And he doesn't need much daylight to get through, man. I mean, that dude got through some pretty tight squeezes and ended up turning him into, you know, 10-plus yard gains. And just a lot of piles of that dude is just like a bo- you know pile of bodies. And he just comes squirting out the other side. And you're just like, how does that happen? Like, there's some legit magic. He's just fast. Like, he's just quicker than in all of the defenders that are trying to tackle him. It's just But will so they hard. do it, David? That's the big thing, all right? Because, I mean, we can yeah. talk about it all day. You know, Kellen Moore, does he play a part in it, right? I mean, we saw what he's been able to do with Tony Pollard. You know, is that something where they would be more inclined to do it now that he's in Charger? We've seen, you know, in Charger. Tom Telesco draft a running back in the first round with Melvin Gordon. They've drafted a running back in three straight drafts. I don't necessarily think, though, that they would be willing to do it at 21. I could be wrong. I would hope they would consider it just because it's like if you want dynamic offensive playmakers, if you're trying to help out Justin Herbert, this seems like a great direction to go. Well, the simple fact of the matter is, Daniel, is that the Chargers rushing attack has been horrible the last couple of seasons, despite Austin Eckler's incredible success scoring touchdowns. The overall running back room has been underperforming. They have not yeah. delivered. And if you want, if Kellen Moore wants to come come in and bring more balance, you have to at least consider this move. Do I think the Chargers would make this move? No, I don't. I just don't think it's possible, Daniel. I think there's just bigger fish to fry as far as things that they need to fill needs that just have higher precedent in my mind. Yeah. And I mean, Tom Telesco would have to think he's the best player available. He's not yeah. a big need. We've seen them draft for need. Right. And sometimes the, the stars line up. So where your biggest need is also, you know, there in Rashawn Slater and is also just an incredible and player. And it's Samuel right? Jr. too. Yeah. Sante Samuel Jr. I mean, Justin Herbert, you know, the list goes on and on, sure. but it doesn't often work that way. And the later you are in the draft, the less likely it is to happen like that. He's special, man. I, I mean, he's special. I definitely understand why some Chargers fans are pounding the table for this. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways the Chargers could go. I don't think you should reach for someone just for a positional need. If you think he's the best player available, jump on it, man. He could change the complexion of your offense and your team. And we know that Kellen Moore knows how to use two running backs, so it's not even necessarily like you're going to see this huge dip in production from Austin Eckler. He can use two running backs on the field at the same time. We've seen him do it with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. So it's going to be very interesting, but you'd have to hope that they would consider it because it's very fun and exciting to imagine him standing in the backfield with Justin Herbert. But I do think there is something to the Chargers potentially just going offense early and trying to just load their offense up. You can't fix this whole team with the flexibility that they have right now. Maybe they're shape. Maybe we just become an unstoppable offense and kind of throw our resources in there. So we'll talk about that and how these coordinators could affect how the Chargers are putting this roster together. But I do need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. Now it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now with FanDuel, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. That's great, guys. You lose. You can still win with FanDuel. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything that you want from money line to point scores to how many threes an NBA player is going to hit. And it has any sport that you can you know, think of, you can find with FanDuel and get the bets that you want. But right now, NBA is in full swing and things are heating up going into the playoffs. And you can find player props like player points, rebounds, assists. And you can even do the two by three, which is a player will make two three-pointers in the first three minutes of a game. That one's a lot of fun. And cashes out big time. So make sure you guys are checking out FanDuel because they let you combine your bets as well in a bigger way with the same game parlay. That's one of my favorite things. So don't miss out on your guys' chance for that no sweat first bet right now up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, well, let's continue this Chargers mailbag here. I mean, that was a great question that we got about Bijan Robinson, and I know a lot of people wanted to know about that from Harry, so we appreciate that. But I want to start here with a voicemail from Ben who just wants the Chargers to go totally, you know, nuclear with their offensive skill position players and maybe just focus all their resources early on in the draft and the Chargers giving weapons to Justin Herbert. Guys, this is Ben. Um, I was listening to a different Chargers podcast Chargers Weekly, and Matt Money-Smith was on there, and he was talking about um, just the importance of drafting offensive players in this year's draft to succeed um, on the back of Justin Herbert, which I kind of agree with, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. So I guess my question would be, what do you think about the first three picks being offensive and then maybe in the later round trying to get some quality backup players to grow um, and eventually have a starting job in a couple years? Love the show. Thanks, guys. I think that's, you know, I could see an outside chance of something like that happening. I mean, if you're just talking about where the Chargers have needs, it's easy to see that they have needs on both sides of the ball. You're not going to be able to fix all of it in one offseason, right? So it's just being able to hit on the players that you do take. But I understand at least the thought process, David, of, okay, we're going to be a flawed team. We know that we're going to be a flawed team. Let's just do whatever we can to make our offense as unstoppable as possible and just, you know, pour resources into that early on and use some really premium draft picks. Hey, I can see the allure of that for sure. I mean, you got Justin Herbert, you got uh, Keenan Allen, you got a pretty decent offensive line, and you have a new offensive coordinator who, you know, might want to be able to add some pieces. And also, you have to keep in mind that the Chargers are really cap strapped right now. So, if they're going to make any kind of significant moves, they're probably going to have to do it in the draft. But you also can't just make the moves for what your needs are now. You are have to remember that you're drafting these guys to be on the team for hopefully the next four to five years, depending on where you draft them. So as, as I guess as alluring as it would be to, to take all three guys on the offensive side with your first three picks, that's not exactly the move that I personally would make. And I think that, you know, there's people who are feeling like that, especially with what they have to do in round one. We have a tier, one of our favorites. We have your question here, tier. You know, you're making the show today. I will also ask this question about the draft. Wide receiver or tight end is a must in round one. I want a tight end that can be a difference maker for Herbo. Don't we all, you know? And the thing is, is like, hey, what if there's one thing you can't do. You can't pigeonhole yourself into having to take a position or having to pick an offensive player or a defensive player. You don't know who's going to drop to you. You don't know Derwin James is going to fall to 17. There's a chance there's a defensive player at pick 21 that you cannot pass up on. And it would be the right move if that's the best player available, right? Even if you had to not take, you know, someone that offensively could help Justin Herbert and they're you're picking from, you know, a group of kind of a muddied waters at wide receiver potentially trying to draft a running back, which is something, you know, you're never supposed to do. Like, it's not like there's going to be potentially a clear cut option offensively. The best player available might be defense, but it doesn't mean David that the first, you know, three rounds can't go like this, right. In some order, not necessarily first, second and third, but edge rusher wide receiver and tight end. Like there's an outside chance that we see those positions all drafted, you know, in the first three rounds, but them taking people who deserve to be picked more where they're selected at and as opposed to, you know, reaching for someone in the first round. That's kind of where my philosophy is too. I mean, those are the three positions 
that I feel like the Chargers must address early in this draft. I am just tired of seeing what the pass rush looks like when Joy Bosa is not on the football field. It's just, it's a just completely different situation. It is a horror movie that you don't want to watch. Okay. And we watched way too much of it over the last several years. So bringing in another pass rusher, I feel like is of a really paramount priority there. Obviously we've been pounding the table nonstop for the chargers to bring in a speed receiver because that element is clearly lacking in this offense. And also you see all of these young quarterbacks with, or not just young quarterbacks, but you see all these quarterbacks with all their fun toys, right. you know, their Jamar chases, their Jalen waddles, their Tyreek Hills, their Justin Jefferson's where's Justin Herbert's young weapon that he gets to play with. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want to add to this offense because I really feel like that's what could take, this offense to the next level that speed receiver mixed with a, a young tight end that can really grow with Justin and hopefully be that chargers offense of the future. Yeah. And I mean, they could upgrade at tight end. And one thing that we do know with Kellen Moore is how much he likes to use his tight ends, right? That right. should be a position group. That's much more, you know, featured featured at the same time though, you're trying to build your offense around what you have, right? So if that's truly yeah. the case, maybe it is something that's a little less tight end centric if they don't have the personnel for it, but it would at least make you think that potentially they could be taking a tight end, right? Even with having Gerald Everett and drafting Trey McKitty, because it's just, you don't really know what you have right there yeah. as of right now, or guys that you feel great about, at least for the future and just the future of that position group with Gerald Everett going into his last year, same with Donald Parham. So that's a very up in the air position, but Let's talk about this from Normac, who asked a question on YouTube, which is now with the turnover at offensive and defensive coordinator, do you expect significant roster turnover to accommodate the new coordinator? So, David, the hard thing about this is even if the Chargers wanted to totally overhaul their roster, they really are in just no position to do it flexibility-wise. I mean, financially, draft capital, they have all of their picks, but it's not like they have a surplus of picks, right? So I think that's kind of the problem with where this starts. That's exactly right. I mean, there's just not in the situation to where they can have a full, you know, remodel of their team. It's just not possible. They're just way too up against it on the cap. And they have a lot of money tied into some very important positions like wide receiver and edge rusher. So, you know, and those are, you know, some of the highest paid players on the team. So the Chargers, all, I mean, hey, the team turns over every single year. You're going to have guys that are leaving and guys that you try to add. but it's not going to be any kind of significant changes because the chargers are just in no position to be able to do that. They're going to have to find their impact players in the draft more than likely. It's going to have to be, I mean, unless, you know, sweeping changes happen and guys are cut that we just don't expect yeah, big to be cuts, cut right big now. Restructures. I mean, $23 million over the cap is not going to be easy. And you're going to already have some really tough decisions to make about some offensive and defensive free agents internally that you're just not going to be able to keep so that's going to be the hard part right I mean I think the other thing is is really for this what where you're going to see this potentially is the guys than the type of players that the Chargers are drafting right them maybe yeah. going after more speed after not really doing that with Joe Lombardi right them trying to draft different players and having different players in different roles and I think that's one also other thing that we should see with Kellen Moore is some of the guys that the Chargers already have being used differently. Maybe some guys who didn't get enough snaps last year being more featured under their new offensive coordinator. And that's something that someone 
asked a great question about. So we will be getting that. And also, if there is a position the Chargers could double dip at in this draft, what would it be coming up right after this? Getting back here with our Chargers mailbag, we have some great questions to still get into, including this one from Kim Steckler, who asked, which players do you think were underutilized slash ignored by Joe Lombardi and who deserved more snaps? Isaiah Spiller, Xander Horvath, anyone else? David, I think that's a good question because I think that's one way that you can't really factor in is how much the Chargers could improve by some of the guys they already have, even some less featured guys being bigger parts of the offense, right? Guys who they already have under team control being used differently under Kellen Moore. Who pops up in your mind when you think of that? Yeah, I mean, one of the names that, that Kim brings up, I think, is the one that, you know, sets the light bulb off on my mind or in my mind immediately is Isaiah Spiller. I just don't understand how you are in situations where you are really struggling to run the football. You draft a running back in the fourth round and you don't give him any real opportunity to try to show you what he is capable of doing. That makes absolutely right. no sense to me. It didn't make sense to me. And for you to have Larry Roundtree, who you clearly already know what he brings to the table and what he does not bring to the table, active on game days over your rookie fourth round pick that you have no idea what he is capable of doing on an NFL field is a an unacceptable situation to me. So hopefully Kellen Moore is going to actually give Isaiah Spiller some opportunities to show what he can do in this Chargers offense and try to change the running game for the Chargers. Well, and let's be honest, the Chargers go B. John Robinson, right? That might be the last time we ever see Isaiah Spiller. That's so what true. they end up doing in the draft could have a lot to do with it. No I doubt. mean, I think last year, you know, the things we don't know is what he looked like in practice, what, you know, happened to not want them to have him on the field. That's true. They were a team going for it. They couldn't really sit there and, you know, deal with the rookie struggles that would come along with it if someone is not picking up everything the way that they should. The other biggest thing is pass protection. If you're not able to pass protect, you're not going to be out there. We know that was something they were trying to get. Yeah, especially with the Herbert injury, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think there are some different factors there. I mean, it could have just not been a good pick. That's just the part that's frustrating because we have no idea at this point because he just didn't ever get a chance to shine. If they do run it back with this same, you know, running back group, that has to be someone that you see what you have in him. You used a fourth round pick on him. He was a very, very good collegiate running back worth kicking the tires i would say but i think it's also other guys who maybe weren't ignored in this offense but could be used much more effectively and i go to the tight ends like donna Parham, who even at this point right heading into his fourth season in the nfl it still feels like we haven't found someone that can really use him properly yep and maybe even get him into more yards after the catch situation i would go with gerald everett even after a career year even after multiple teams seem like they've kind of failed to get the most out of gerald everett he still seems like a guy where last yeah, year there's still still more in there. There were yeah. still some big drops, you know, and he has yeah. to d- really answer for those, obviously. But it seemed like the only way that the Chargers could get him in space was hard play action, roll out to the right and throw it to him in the flats, right? Like yeah. it, it wasn't very creative the way that they got him the football because when he had those situations, he's still a very hard guy to bring down. And it was still yeah. something that was sorely lacking from the Chargers offense last year. But another part of that also is just they didn't have anyone who could take the top off the defense. They didn't have yeah. anyone that could threaten you deep. It's much easier to kind of play things closer to the line of scrimmage and not have to respect, you know, the play action and the, the horizontal movement that the Chargers were trying to get away with pretty uncreatively. But we do have yeah. some more great questions here. This one is from Chris Sae. He's a frequent question asker, always getting on the show with some great questions. And he asks, do you think the Chargers should double dip at the same position in the later rounds of the draft? If so, what position would you want to see them do it at? I think, David, the obvious one here 
is wide receiver. And if, yeah. especially if you don't go premium pick early on wide receiver, there's a, you know, scenario where you might not be able to get someone who's great after the catch and can also beat people deep. Right. But there's another scenario where maybe you get someone who focuses more on being able to create after the catch, but isn't a true deep threat, right? And also find another guy who is just a straight up burner. So I think yeah. that's probably the most obvious place for sure. That's definitely where I go. I mean, hey, this Chargers uh, wide receiver room very top heavy with the you know the amount of money that those two guys are making with you know Mike and Keenan. They're objectively great, but if you are not able to get that number one target early in the draft, that speed wide receiver guy, then you need to throw some more darts at the dartboard. You need to yeah. try to bring in guys that have some traits that you feel like you can utilize in this Chargers offense. I mean, I don't care if it's just a guy that runs a four, three, five that can absolutely burn down the field. That's, that's still an asset to your offense. That's still something that can open things up underneath for the receivers you do have on the field. So that's the first one that comes to mind for sure. And shout out to Austin Eckler, who was out here doing the Lord's work, you know, saying that, <laughs> Hey, we didn't have enough speed Amen. to threaten defenses deep last year. And just coming out and saying it, even though, you know, when you play that game with any coach on the chargers or a front office member, they're going to say, well, Mike Williams can go deep. Yeah. Just yeah. true. It's also right. not the point. You know what I mean? Right. So not the point. Uh, that is the obvious one. I'd say edge rusher is up there too. Right. Yeah, I because like that I do too. think that it's somewhere where, you have to start coming up with, you know, the replacements for Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and starting that going and taking some shots there. Because guess what? If you do end up, you know, taking an early one and then say Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack does get hurt right now, you have a rookie out there, but still your death is put immediately in peril again. And you're yeah. just stuck with Chris Rump back there, right? Which is just another unproven commodity. Something at this point where you can't feel great about it until you see more from him. That's right. It's a position of need for sure. I think I think that the the dark horse ones for me are linebacker because linebacker, I mean yeah. Kenneth Murray. I don't think there's any chance his fifth year options getting picked up. You know, yeah. no shade. Just don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Drew Tranquil, there's a good chance he walks in free agency if he can. You know, gets what he wants money wise, yeah. or if he gets what they think the market value is going to be. So the position there is very, very much up in flux. You're going to need some more guys at that position because at this point you haven't been willing to put either Eamon Ogbogbamiga or Nick Neiman in there defensively for any snaps. Safety is the other low-key one. Aloe Gilman going into free agency after 2023. You have no idea what you have in a JT Woods, and you need somebody that can be that partner with Derwin James in that backfield. So they, they take a couple shots there. They have been willing to take safeties later on in the draft right with Mark Webb. Brandon Staley's first year, and then the third round with JT Woods last year. So it's going to be interesting, but not a lot to feel great there. And I think some, you know, dark horse positions that the Chargers could decide to double dip. Last year it was corner, right? They took two offensive linemen too, right? Two guards, actually, Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer, at least as we saw it then. But it's neither here nor there. Yeah, and they probably could take, you know, we were talking multiple offensive linemen again this year as well because a lot of backup spots up for grabs on that offensive line, even if we're feeling bullish on a return of Trey Pipkins and what that starting five would look like. Yeah. Let's get to one more question here from Weston who asked, would you rather – oh, wait, this is a voicemail. Let's let's hear it in Weston's own words before I steal us under. Hi, it's Weston calling here from Minnesota. I missed this terrible snowstorm that we got up here. Um, long-time listener of the show, I love you guys. I thought I would just ask a fun hypothetical question coming up for this season. Would you rather – Sweep the Chiefs and make a statement and show everyone who's boss, or you gotta sweep the Raiders because family trust respect. Whoever you don't pick, we split with, and this excludes the playoffs. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks for making the show. Bolt up. 
<laughs> it's a great question because I think, you know, if you – so, like, I think it's like this. If I knew that the Chargers were only going to win two games all season, I think I'd pick the Raiders, right? Because, yeah. like, if you're only going to give me two, give me the Raiders, give me family, trust, respect. And, obviously, in this situation, you're going one and one. But, like, yeah, to me, David, you beat the Chiefs twice in one season. That would be something that hasn't happened in over a decade. The Chiefs have dominated the division. They are obviously the world champions. They are the class of the NFL. There's nothing I want more than to beat the Chiefs. Reigning twice Super Bowl in the champions. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Reigning Super Bowl champions. No, it's no competition. I love beating the Raiders, but I mean, there was a stretch when I was younger where the Chargers beat the Raiders, I think was about 15, 15 straight times. times. I think. Yeah. So uh, I've kind of had my fill of that. Sure. Now the Chiefs are the are the class of the division class of the NFL. I would love to beat them both times next season. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, if you lose one to the Raiders, that obviously sucks. Like, just losing that one late in the season this year to the Raiders was brutal. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Raiders yeah, look like. That. You know, feels like it's like Aaron Rodgers or bust to a certain extent, right? I mean, yeah. They're not going to, I mean, I'm, I don't know what they're going to do. They don't have a great draft pick to draft a quarterback, right? They don't. They can't bring in Derek Carr again. That bridge has been burned, so oh, they yeah. won't even be stuck in that same mediocrity. But like Jared Stidham <laughs> is also not the answer either. No. The other thing is too is like if the Raiders are really bad, like at a certain point you get you know sad when you're just beating up on a bad team like that. So family trust respect always. You know, oh, yes. it, it's the Raiders even with the Chiefs right now. The Raiders are the Chargers' biggest rival historically as far as bad blood goes. Even yep. with as good as the Chiefs have been. The Chargers have to make themselves a rival of the Chiefs. Beating them twice in a season would show that, right? Yeah. And also, I think, gives you the confidence that you can take down the team that's been to the Super Bowl twice in five years and or three times in five years, won the Super Bowl twice and has been to five straight AFC championship games, right? Like, yep. if you beat that team twice in the regular season, you become, you know, the rest of the league savior is like maybe the Chargers can go take this team down and stop them from getting to Super Bowls, right? And the Chargers have played them yeah, tough. Stop them from creating the evil empire. Play them tough every single time, man. You know. Yeah, they do. The next step is beating them. Beating yeah, them twice. Finish the job. Finish the job. Don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but if the Chargers could beat the Chiefs twice, I think that would pretty much tell you what kind of season they're having. I mean, I think that would lead to them having a, another playoff appearance and another really, really successful year. But yeah. that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back with you guys tomorrow, as always. And what we're talking about tomorrow is... Some players, if they step up in 2023, could change the way we totally look at some of these position groups. First one that comes to mind, JT Woods. If that dude somehow can learn how to tackle, maybe you're feeling a lot better about the safety position. But there's a lot of guys who could make leaps, and we're going to be getting into it on tomorrow's show. Just to make sure you don't miss it, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel, and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you to everyone who hit us up today on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and got your questions in. You can also find the show every day on our personal Twitter accounts for me at DanTalkSports and David Drogmeyer at DrotalkSD. You can also find the show every day on our Facebook page on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page and at Locked On Chargers on Instagram. Thank you, Atir and Weston and everyone who called in, Ben, to the voicemail line. You guys can call in and get your 30-second questions in at 323-524-7924. And we'll definitely be getting into more of your guys' questions soon. You guys have really poured out for us lately in that regard, and we really, really appreciate it. And if we haven't been able to get to your question, we will try to as soon as we possibly can. But we'll be back here tomorrow with some guys who could make a leap and change things for the Chargers in 2023. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.